Welcome to the Birth Lounge Podcast, an empowering space for expecting and new parents to hear candid conversations with experts, support your mental health, and learn the tips and tricks that thousands of parents have used to craft their ideal birth. We will answer all of your questions, the scary ones and the weird ones, to help calm your fears and feel confident going into your birth. I'm going to help you redefine what birth and motherhood looks like and how to embrace your journey. I've intentionally crafted an amazing list of experts to help you navigate pregnancy, explore your birth options, and plan for postpartum so it can be a time of soaking in your tiny human. We're going to go there on all the hard topics so that you can dive into finding your confidence and freeing yourself from fears around childbirth. With almost 10 years of experience in family education and a master's degree in human development and family studies, I created this podcast as a way to share information so parents can make educated and informed decisions about their care during pregnancy and childbirth. This is a birth community driven by evidence-based information and research in hopes to help you explore your options, understand your rights, and know what choices you have along the way. I'm your host, Hee Hee. Now let's get to the good stuff. Hello. Happy Friday. Welcome to another episode of the Birth Lounge Podcast. You're hanging out with me. Hey. Hi. Happy Friday. I'm so glad that you're here. You know, I actually love these Friday free talks so much. I feel like I can be, I don't know, open and candid and just have these casual conversations that, you know, aren't pressured and they're not super serious and there's nothing tied to the other end of them it's not it doesn't feel as heavy or as big of conversations that might happen within the walls of your doctor appointments or the telehealth visits that you have with your provider mainly I just like to really hang out and chat about the things that I've seen in birth and the things that I think are important for you to know if you're going to have a baby within the medical system of the United States and outside. I get a good glimpse of outside of the U.S. with all of our people in the birth lounge and wow we have people all over the place. It's really cool to see the patterns and the different practices that that kind of happened both inside you know and across the U.S. but also outside the U.S. and and kind of by country and it's really neat that when I'm talking about things in the birth lounge we have folks that write in and will share what it's like in their country and you know it just gives you a whole new perspective so uh, all the warm and fuzzy feelings for the birth lounge I love it so much which speaking of that's actually what today's episode is derived from. So if you didn't know, every week I go live in the Birth Lounge Facebook group, the members only Facebook group, and I talk about um, things during pregnancy and I talk about things to help you prepare for your birth and I talk about the secret sauce to pushing and I talk about breathing techniques and pain relief and supporting your partner and then we also talk about postpartum stuff and breastfeeding and infant sleep and the golden hour and how to support your child emotionally and physically. And did I mention infant sleep already? <laughs> and there are so many things that we talk about in the birth lounge. But 
every week I go live for one hour. It's called the prenatal hour, and we hang out. The, the members tune in, and if you can't tune in, obviously it lives in the Facebook group, and you can watch the replay. But this past week, I actually had just gotten home from a birth, and I wanted to share a snippet. This is only going to be... Um, like one little segment of the prenatal hour this past week but I thought it was important to share with our people and then actually I got a lot of feedback from it from the people in the lounge and I thought you know what I think that this message needs to be a little bit louder and it needs to really reach a bigger community um, you know a larger number of people because this is something that if you are having a baby within the, the medical system, you need to be able to spot these things in order to keep yourself safe and in order to keep yourself on a path of still being able to achieve your birth goals or as close to your birth goals as possible. And also obviously keeping your baby safe. I feel like that one's kind of a given, but I'll say it and throw it in there just in case. All right, guys, without further ado, I'm going to just turn this over to the prenatal hour and insert that clip so that you can hear that. And I'll circle back to you at the end. All right. I had something planned for you. But then today, after being at a birth, um, after being at a birth, I wanted to, I wanted to bring something different to you. Um, and it, it, it's not a reflection on today's birth. It's just something that every single birth, this is something that I walk away with a reminder of. And I wanted to pass it along with you so that um, if you are having your baby soon, hopefully you will remember this and you'll be able to um, come back to this conversation and find that confidence to speak up. Okay, so what I want to share today about is how nurses can perpetuate the patriarchy of birth. And when I'm talking about the patriarchy of birth, I truly am talking about um, like the medical system taking the power away from birthing people, right? Um, and I, I really think that there is a place where our medical system can be second tier, right? And that birthing person is the top tier. They're literally the top of the totem pole. They are number one on the pyramid. They are the peak, right? And the medical system, the medical staff, the doctor are below them. I truly believe that there is a place. And I think I believe that so, so deeply because I've seen it be practiced. I've like seen practitioners who practice like that. And they're like, Hey, whatever you want to do, right? And they they really respect their place in, in the, the hierarchy, right? And they really understand consent and they truly understand informed consent and also informed refusal. And they are happy to be respectful of reform, informed refusal, right? Um, hang on, I need to add that to my list because I remember something that I did recently see. I have a whole list of things I want to talk through with you um, because these are places where their learning, their education kind of comes to head with, we got to stop 
the way that we are actually helping people birth and we have to do it differently. And that means putting these birthing people on top of that pyramid at the top of that totem pole, number one on the list, right? Captain of the team. You're steering this ship, everyone else walking on your words. That is literally how you should be able to birth. This is your birth, right? Okay, so, and before we get started, let's, I want to make very, very clear most nurses are so good. I really do believe that most nurses are amazing. I think very seldomly are you going to encounter a nurse that um, truly is like a sour apple, right? I really don't believe you get those very often. However, here's what I will tell you. Again, we have to go back to their training. We have to go back to remember what is being taught to these people. And they probably have no idea um, how it comes across to birthing people. They probably have no idea because this is how they were taught. They were taught to take care of people and help keep people safe in this way. It's your job as the consumer to say, actually, that doesn't feel great for me. I'm, we're gonna do this a little bit differently because I remember that I'm on top of the totem pole. This is my birth and I'm getting to make the decisions here, right? Okay, so how do we do this? Actually, I wanna, I wanna start with Let's just go through some examples. Here's what we'll do. We'll go through some examples. Anytime a nurse tells you like flat out no that you can't do something, like you've asked, you know, can you do this or, or you know, could you do that? And they flat out say no. I really would, I would encourage you so, so, so hard to clarify are they saying no because it's a safety issue? Or are they saying no because that's their preference? Because if that's their preference, mm, unfortunately, that is not going to actually be a no in our book. That is, that's you having your preference. But we're keeping in mind over here, this is my birth. So if it is to keep me and my baby safe, thousand percent happy to stay in this position, happy to not eat, happy to, um, you know, not rebozo, happy to do whatever. However, if it's your preference that I stay on my back, mm, I'm probably going to be moving, right? If it's your preference that I don't eat something and you're saying that because that is the hospital policy, I will happily inform you that the recommendations actually have been updated based on more current research than what seems to be the hospital, you know, the, the policy of the hospital um, and that I'm going to be eating this peanut butter and you can see I'm happy to share the package so you know like how much I have and stuff. I want to be honest and upfront with you, but I'm going to make this decision. And you have the science to back you up, right? Even if you don't have the science to back you up and this is your preference, this is your birth and this is your preference. That should be abundantly clear. I feel like you guys know that, right? So with a no, and here's um, here's a couple things they might tell you no. Can I get off my back? No. Okay, but why? You could seriously just ask, but why? Or you could ask, you know, is that your preference or is there a reason, medically reason, a medical reason that I am, you know, staying on my back, needing to be on my back? It's your right. Just because this person, you know, is the nurse or just because this person has that higher education in, in medicine or just because this person, you know, is your OB doesn't mean that they make the decisions for you. It's not how that works. This is shared decision-making and you can lead it and, and be like, well, we're not going to make decisions until we're all kind of here, right? 
or your doctor can lead it. And if they're leading it, then great. They will come and check in with you. I talked about those doctors, right? These are the doctors that understand their place on this totem pole. They know that at the end of the day, they're not steering that ship because it ain't their story. These are the doctors that understand patient consent and truly understand that this person has to live with this story and the way this story unfolds is super important. This is someone's life we're talking about. We have to be mindful of that, right? Um, just because, like I say, this person you know holds a certain degree or, or is, is a certain provider does not override informed consent, does not override patient consent. Let me tell you something. Okay, here's a place, here's a place. When you're pushing, sometimes nurses, doctors, some midwives will do this. More midwives in the hospital will do this than home birth midwives. They will just be like all up in your vagina, sometimes feeling around. They want to feel if you're making progress. They want to feel if you're moving the baby. They want to feel all these things, right? They probably do have a reason. But if they're just all up in there and you have no idea why, I think that should be clarified. No, I mean, nobody should be in your vagina without you understanding why, right? I feel like that's a, a thing. Like, that's just kind of a, right? It's a thing. Like, can someone confirm that's a thing that people just shouldn't be in your vagina if you don't know what they're there about, right? I feel like if this provider has something that they need to go up in there for, they just need to clarify it with you. And then... Ultimately, you actually have the right to say, yeah, totally go ahead. Please feel for the position of my baby. Or you can say, mm, no, actually, I don't want you to feel if I'm making any progress. I feel good pushing. It's working for me. If I have some questions, you know, we can go back in there. Um, I'm going to come back for you guys' questions because I don't want to forget what I'm doing. All right. Um, another place that we see, actually, I've, I've only seen this once and I literally was dumbfounded. Um a uh, mom birthing person asked to get up and go to the bathroom had control over her legs was being able to get up and go to the bathroom up uh, previously and literally this ob said no we will put a catheter in and we'll drain your bladder that is a great place to ask if that is that doctor's preference or if there's a medical re reason, you know, that you aren't able to, to do. That's a really great way to, like, truly, truly put out there what your preferences are. If you would like to get up and use the restroom, and you're a grown-ass consenting adult able to do that, you have the right people. Please, please, please don't forget that. That was like... That was not okay. That was not okay. That was not okay. Um, changing positions. They will tell you all sorts of things. Like, no, we need you to do this. We need you to do that. And you can just ask them if there's a medical reason. Some science to know if they say you need to be on your back. Most babies actually like the sideline or being on hands and knees best. Some babies uh, really like to be upright, actually. So if they are giving you trouble, you can ask to just hang your feet off the edge. You'll like be sitting just like you would on a chair, right? You'll just be sitting on the side of the bed facing out. Your partner will probably be right in front of you or if you have a doula that's present or whoever else, your birth partner, or maybe your nurse is there, right? If you have a really jam up nurse, 
Those are the nurses we love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The ones that will get down with you and like be with you, jam up nurses. Those are good. Um, you know, change in positions is something that you really need to know plays in your favor. Um, if you are on Pitocin, so this leads me kind of down the heart rate thing, but if your baby's showing funky fetal heart tones, turn on your side if you're laying on your back. And if you're like upright or, um, you know, kind of moving around, hands and knees is great. Or again, sitting is really good. Um, being on your back, it's not really the greatest. I mean, it's old, but women are still told not to sleep on their back. So why would we have you lay down during labor all these hours? It's very bizarre. Um, well, it's not really bizarre. It's patriarchy, right? Like, What's good for the goose is actually not good for the gander in this, however it should be. Um, so that's what I'm talking about, you know, perpetuating the, the patriarchy in a way that they probably don't even know. They don't realize that they're taking the control out of somebody. They probably never stop to think like, well, is this my preference or you know, should I allow this person to turn over to their side? What's the harm if they turn over to their side? Maybe they're not going to let you get up and walk around out of the bed. I understand that, right? But why can't you go from your back to your side? We got to start challenging these patriarchal kind of ideas. Here's another one. Oh, this makes me just, it makes my blood boil. So, and I've talked about this on a live before. When your baby is actually crowning, your perineum is going to actually like your legs are going to naturally close so that your perineum can stretch open and close and open and close and open and close as your baby is turtling out remember now you want to listen to that reflex this is going to be unmedicated if you have an epidural you are likely not going to feel this caveat there if you feel this you want to Give into it. It's a good reflex. We want your legs to close to protect that perineum. What do nurses do? Oh, they yank those knees back. Oh, it literally guts me every time. Right? I saw it this morning. I saw the nurse and I said, put your leg down if you want. And she straightened her leg right back out. Right? Um, you can say no. I say that sometimes in the birth room. I can say, you say stop. Or I will say, sorry. I will say, you can say stop. You can say no. You know, you can say, let me go. You can say anything. Please don't touch me. Hands off. There are so many one, I guess not one. I mean, stop is one. No is one. But two or three word phrases that you can say gently. You don't have to be super aggressive. I mean, everyone's going to hear you say it. If you say hands off, everybody will do hands off. And then you can say your partner's name and they'll be able to put their hands back on you. Um, you can be in control. It just, it really requires you stepping up and, and kind of speaking up. And it's these patriarchal ideas that kind of really interfere with our natural things, right? All right. Oh gosh, here's another one. Okay, so nurses are just, um, they are notorious for speaking over the client to the provider and then never looping the, never looping the, um, the patient back in. So here's an example I've recently seen. Out of birth, baby's out, cord is clamped. There's no bleeding issues. It's just standard uh, postpartum procedure to give 300, 600 or so um, units of Pitocin, right? Nurses are 
they will traditionally turn to the doctor and say, let me know when you're ready for me to push Pitocin. And when they do, they literally just grab the Pitocin and go to hook it up. And I always, nine times, ten, nine times out of 10, I have to stop and say, do you have any questions about the Pitocin they are about to administer to you? Do you have any questions about the Pitocin they're about to give you? They're about to give you Pitocin. Are you okay with this? Do you have any questions? Like, how hard is it to just say, hey, doc, whenever you're ready for the Pitocin, let me know. Hey, Miss Stewart, we're probably going to give you, you know, 300 cc's of Pitocin. It's standard practice. Is that okay with you? And that's, that's a person's right to say, mm, is there a reason? And they're like, Hmm. It's standard practice. It helps clamp down the uterus. It helps stop bleeding. It helps prevent postpartum hemorrhaging. Your people who prefer to wait and see are going to know the science that says our bodies will naturally do this nine times out of ten. If we do not apply traction, leave that placenta alone, and... Uh, you know, attach that baby and there's no other birth trauma and there's no real, um, like super large tears or any sort of internal damage, then again, nine times out of 10, your body will be able to do it. You have that right to say, if there's no medical necess necessity right now, can we wait? They're going to tell you no, if, if there's not. If, if it's not okay that you can wait, they are going to say, we really, really suggest it right now. If your doctor says they really, really suggest something, I think it's, I think it's probably safe to really kind of consider that, right? Unless you have a super aggressive doctor, there's always going to be those sour apples. But again, we have to talk about these things. We have to, A, prepare women for what they might encounter. B, we have to prepare women for birthing people, all birthing people. We have to prepare birthing people um, for how to deal with these situations. And also, we have to prepare birthing people for how to identify these patriarchal ideas that really, really do hinder the birth process. And they really, truly do. Like, they strip you of control. They literally strip you... The minute someone injects your body with something without your consent is like... I mean, that's literally what we see on Dexter or like crime shows. Like that's what murderers do, right? If you're coherent and you're safe and your baby is safe and there's a conversation being had, but you're not looped into it, something is wrong with that picture. Something is wrong with that picture. It's so off. It really, really is. Something is so off with that picture. It is not hard to ask the patient if they are okay with this, if this is, you know, on par with their birth goals. Things change sometimes. So, at an IV, when I, at an IV placed on Tuesday, and I'm still sore from it. I'm still sore from the IV. It was super uncomfortable. I could not imagine birthing with... I couldn't imagine birthing with an IV in my arm. They place them in different places. So know that is a possibility. But many, many, many people go into birth with the idea that they're going to hydrate and fuel themselves, um, you know, do it themselves. 
they're going to drink water and if they're hungry they're going to eat some peanut butter or those goop packets or granola bar banana anything right um and the science supports that the science really does support that it says that you know if you are able to manage your fluid intake then typically that is what an IV is for it's going to keep you hydrated you should be able to eat and drink and labor the science does support that okay so let's say you you don't want to have an IV something happens and you need an IV for some reason at that point they need to still have a conversation with you and say, we, we really need to place an IV because of X, Y, and Z. You still have the option to say no. I mean, if it's medically necessary, you should highly consider doing it. But at the end of the day, you call the shots here. And it, I, I just think it's so important for you to remember that. Um, because these are the small things that really, again, they strip you of control, right? So if you go in and your labor has been going amazing, let's say you check in and you're seven centimeters and they're like, you're 100% of face and your baby's gonna be here in a couple hours. And you know, just a couple hours later, you're like, oh my gosh, I am feeling the urge to push. You could have done all of this while drinking water, but if you got to the hospital and they forced you to have an IV, what if that disrupted your labor? And I say this because I've seen it. It disrupts your labor and then contractions pause and they come back in a really funky, like they just come back in a funky, they were in a funky pattern, right? And it, she was uncomfortable and then also she felt bullied. So she, we had originally spoken up and the nurse was like, she said something about the baby dying, right? That fear base, that's the patriarchy talking to. Like, are you kidding me? You are a woman supporting another woman and you're going to try and scare her into something that is literally, there is science that shows you are okay not having an IV if you're able to manage your own fluid intake. And there's no other reason. I mean, if you have like, for, for example, you can want to be IV free and if you test GBS positive, you have to have an IV place because... You have to have antibiotics. Well, there you go again. So I'm still working on it too. You don't have to do anything. You have the right to refuse antibiotics. You should definitely, definitely understand the science and the research behind declining antibiotics if you test GBS positive, if that's what you choose to do. It, um, you're, you can expect your doctor to really push back on you and with good reason, right? Antibiotics really do save lives if they are used appropriately. But at the end of the day, you still get to choose. You do still get to choose. Um, so you just, you have to be in control of these conversations and it starts with you being involved in the conversation and that goes back to shared decision making and ultimately comes down to you making sure you're in shared decision making that you're involved in those conversations that nothing happens to your body that you don't first have a conversation about right if you're pushing and you feel someone's fingers in your vagina and they've not had a conversation with you you can say get out of there you can say stop you can say move your fingers there's everything you can say. You can literally say anything. You can have a code word for your birth partner. You can have a code word for your doula. You can have a code sign. I mean, you can even like do this. 
I don't think it matters. Just communicate that that's not what you want to be happening. Okay? It's super important that you're in, you are in control of these conversations and that if you, and you may not notice because labor, land, birth, brain is so for real. So have someone present at your birth that if there's conversation going on around you, that they're tuning into that conversation to make sure decisions are not being made without you being looped in. Super important. Super, super important. All right, guys, let's go for your questions. And nursing programs vary so much. Exactly. I mean, medical schools are the same thing, you guys. And we've talked about that before. There is no standard of education, and it really poses a problem. And, you know... That's how sometimes you get like really amazing doctors at a practice that like the rest of them are really not that great, right? We have, we have hospitals here, but like they have a couple really great providers, but then the rest of them are like, hmm, take them and leave them. And then some of them are just, obviously they made the, the no, no naughty list. They made that list where I'm like, Ooh, no, 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 no. You mess people up. When they let you on your down on their downstairs. All right, let's see. What if it's because they weren't trained properly? A friend of mine who wanted to give birth on the side and not on her back, but the nurse said, Okay, so literally this is one of my pet peeves. Do not call yourself a nurse or an OB and work on an L and D floor if you can only help people give birth in one way. You are not well trained. You are not. That is not birth. That's not. That tells me that that person, gosh, oh my gosh, I don't even know what person I'm talking about. Here we go. The nurse, unfortunately, you're right. She's not well-trained. That birthing person, she just needs to assert her control as long as she and her baby are safe. And they have the right to ask for a new nurse who possibly has higher skills than that. Um, it also tells me that birthing person should really consider midwifery care, truly. Um, I mean, this was a nurse who... I guess I'm, I'm talking home birth, I guess. Um, I'd ask for another nurse who's more comfortable. Totally. Thank you. She was the one on tall, tough call. Would definitely just stick to my birth month for sure. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, you just have to assert dominance sometimes. And I've been in so many births where we do say, well, is it safe for us to move? And then the nurse is like, well, totally. But I mean, you can, yes, you can move, but no, no, no. We're not asking for the butt. We're just asking, is it safe for me and my baby to move? And then in that case, you just have to do it. You really do. Um, there have been several births, handfuls of birth that sometimes that partner just has to speak up and say, hey, so we are going to rebozo and we're happy to have you stand right here. Like you're not going to throw us off, but we are going to rebozo. And here's why they are coupling. We have seen this work. Like we set them back on track multiple times at home and you know, a last thing she wants, she wants this and that's that. And that is the final word, right? And that nurse will be able to stand there. It, I'm telling you, I literally, I wouldn't even, I would need two 12 foot tables to fill the number of nurses that this has happened to and they're not happy about it but guess what it's not to do with you it has to do with they are not being able to check those little mark those little boxes right and or they're uncomfortable because of exactly this they do not have the skills guess what girlfriend is learning day you can go home a little bit smarter than what you came to work with 
all those nurses, all of them come up to me afterwards or the partners or this is the greatest. This is the greatest when they come and find those families postpartum and they're like, y'all's birth really changed me. And it happens all the time, you guys. You got to push those nurses just a little bit out of their comfort zone. But once you teach them a thing or two, they are like, wow, thank you very much. It happens every time. Okay. Assert some dominance. At least the nurse voiced her discomfort. Totally. Um, which, I mean, it still had the tension. So... The only positive there was the honesty. If she had lied about it, it still would have been, you know, full attention. Witness that with a family member. It's so hard to advocate for yourself in those moments. It really, really is. Um, and I think I think you point I think those are these are two different things I want to bring up. A, to have a birth partner who recognizes these places and um, you know, is able to at least stop the room and pull it back to you. So you have to think, as a doula, I'm not able to really, I can stop the room, but I'm always going to turn it back to you, and I'm always going to say, whoa, 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 I think we have some questions. Is that, we have questions, and I'm looking at you and your partner, yes? And you can both say yes. Okay, we just need to take a pause. That's the biggest part of advocating for yourself, is that things happen <coughs> so fast. <clears throat> that things happen so fast that you're not able <clears throat> to actually interject. So you just need to put a pause. You just need to say, whoa, stop. No, I don't want to. Can we take a break? Right? I wouldn't recommend the phrase, can we take a break? <sighs> so many providers are like, no. Okay. Yes, you can. You can literally just stop. I mean, right? If you want to take a break, you can literally just take a break. Um, I, I The word no just really upsets me, if you can't tell. <clears throat> oh, my gosh. The mask thing. You know, and I don't, I don't actually have any advice on this because I get it. Every time I walk into the hospital, I'm constantly doing my own mantras to remind myself um, that, you know, I'm actually okay to be in the hospitals and it's not that scary and this is not a COVID positive room and I am not going to be touching my face. I'm definitely not going to be touching my mouth. I wear two masks. I have the medical mask and then I wear, you know, obviously non-medical like fun leopard mask or, you know, any other flowers, whatever. Um, I remind myself that the hospitals are doing what they can to, to keep COVID <clears throat> under wraps and I also remind myself that the number one thing here healthy hygiene right so washing your hands often I take my clothes off right at the door I shower as soon as I get home um <clears throat> as you can tell so there we go sister I'm sorry they're making you wear a mask um you don't have to you definitely don't have to um it's, it's a risk that you'll have to balance for yourself <clears throat> All right, I think the same thing. That's why our partner or whoever will be with us needs to support your birth plan. Oh, why can't I click on the last part of it? Yes, but Yasmin, you're totally right. Like, and it's 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 actually super important to have someone who can speak up. So that's something to know is like, this is why if it's just you and your partner and you're going through these, these videos in the lounge and you're like, oh shit, 
my partner is just like not that person, that's okay. There's a couple Enneagram numbers that just aren't going to speak up. You guys, we have add-on services for exactly that reason. We will literally call into your birth. I did it last week. Literally call into your birth to advocate for you. You just put us on speakerphone and we're there. And we're there. And you already know the language because you're through the birth lounge. You already know the process. You already know the control method. You already know all of it. Amazing. I mean, we had an eight and a half hour labor today. You guys, come on. It does not get better than that. It really, really doesn't. All right. This is the only way to make change, you guys. It truly, truly is. And it's super scary. Um, you can tell that I look at my notes a lot because it is scary to talk about obstetrical violence. And it really is scary to talk about bad doctors and bad nurses. But 99% of these nurses are so, so good. They really, really are. Um, I, I think that it is our job as females, though, as birthing people to call out that patriarchal, like, silver lining, Right? It can't be a ribbon anymore in this braid. We got to get rid of it. We really do have to. We gave the patriarchy so so much so much time, so long, and, and look what they got us. Um, our infant mortality is on the freaking rise. Um, our C-section rate is on the freaking rise. Brown and black people, they lose their lives every single freaking day. Like, epidural use is messing people up left and right. You guys, we are... Birthing people don't have control in this country. And I am determined to give it back to them. Right now, it is just, it's not good. Um, and so, that's where we stand on that. Alrighty, it's me. I'm back. That was a snippet of the prenatal hour inside the birth lounge. I do it every week. I go live for an hour and talk about the things that you need to know. And, you know... I want you to know that your nurses are so important. They pay, they, they really do play a crucial role. And that's why it's so important to get a good nurse and, and a nurse that is skilled and a nurse that you align with and a nurse that, you know, energetically you mesh well with as well. Super important in having a good nurse. And I want to point out too, I don't think nurses intentionally perpetuate any of this patriarchal stuff you know I really do think it is the way that they're taught and I think it's the the way that they're educated and I think that these patriarchal ideas are just so ingrained in medicine and it's going to really take us pointing these things out and saying actually I'd like for things to be done a little bit differently and here's how I'd like for them to be done um, in order for us to be able to see change so these things are just important to me that you know them as a consumer of medical care, of obstetrical care, of women's health care, period, you know? I'm specifically talking about it inside the U.S., but I know thousands of our listeners are not in the U.S., and it's the same for you. I truly do want everyone to just be making choices because you want to make these choices because do you feel that these choices are the best for you? Not because you don't know your options or... You feel like you don't have any other options or you feel too scared or ashamed or I don't even know anything guilty. Anything can come up during labor. I only want you making choices out of confidence and safety and security and, and supported 
you know, being supported in these decisions, not out of tension or, you know, disagreement or um, being bullied in any way. So that's what's important to me, you guys. Thank you so, so, so much for hanging out with me again today. Happy Friday to you. We made it to the weekend. Big shout out to all of our nurses who, gosh, we absolutely adore. We have nurses in our family. We have our Boston nurses kind of family here. Not like our biological family, but like like my actual like nurse friends here in Boston that are like my Boston family and my nurse friends here. And then also all of the nurses who follow along on social media. You guys, we chat all the time. Big shout out to you. I... I'm always telling people, find a good nurse. They absolutely exist. I have them all in my world, all in my life. If you do not mesh well with your nurse, find a new nurse. And, you know, if your nurse is doing something that you don't like, all you have to do is ask her. They are there to help you have a better birth, to help you have a better stay at the hospital, to help you feel supported and happier in this experience all you have to do is ask them for their help or ask them to stop doing whatever they're doing or to share your preferences or your goals. And I'm sure they'll be happy to help you get there. Ugh. All right, XO, you guys. I will see you again on Tuesday for another episode with a guest. Until then, have a great weekend. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I truly do value this community and I love hanging out with you. If you found today's episode helpful, share it with a friend. Share it with someone who might also find this information helpful. I'd love to hear what you have to say and read your sweet words on iTunes. You can leave us a review and this helps get this information into the hands of parents who might also benefit from hearing it. If you're interested in joining The Birth Lounge, you can go to thebirthlounge.com. Our blog is linked there. You can find all sorts of free information as well as how to get your access to The Birth Lounge. You can always hang out with me on Instagram as well, at Tranquility by Hehe. Until then, stay educated, stay supported, stay confident. there just a friendly reminder that nothing in this podcast is to be used as medical advice diagnosis or treatment please consult your health care provider with any questions or concerns you have about your health or anything discussed in this podcast side effects may include educated adults informed decision making skills and consensual care tranquility by hehe and the birth lounge are not responsible for any ideal births that were created with this podcast the birth parent deserves all the credit